Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Motor City Metrics Podcast. I'm John Urkula. People call me Youp. Joining me tonight is a guy who is battling through illness, a wounded warrior, taking one for the team, JFK, John Effing Kloss. We are here tonight to talk about all things Detroit Tigers. Uh, I'm here in the Western Podcast Studio for the Motor City Metrics Network uh, in the great state of Iowa. John is in the greater Detroit region. We're going to be talking tonight about all sorts of things. The uh, recently wrapped up Los Angeles Dodgers series. We're going to be higher talking about the new hire in Detroit uh, with a new general manager on board. We're going to be talking about the unfortunate surgery that befell Riley Green and what the prospects for him coming back are. Uh, that and much, much more. Um, John, how you been? Oh, you said I'm a little under the weather. I missed the show on Monday. I don't know if anyone can tell listening if I sound a little sicker, but uh, working through it, I'm, I'm like I said, feeling better. I've been cooped up in the house this week, uh, been paying a lot of attention to the Tigers. We've had we've got some news to talk about. Definitely some some we definitely have to talk about to talk on the show. Uh, very surprising as well, uh, but yeah, excited to talk some Tigers and and see what you got for us tonight, you. And before we do that, I just want to real quick. Uh, our two fearless leaders, Chris Brown and his brand of renown, they are he is still on uh, extended assignment. Uh, more on that down the road. Uh, our other fearless leader, the man, the myth, the legend, the uh, leader of our, our cause here, the captain of our ship who gets us through all the stormy seas, Rogelio Castillo. He is in Erie, Pennsylvania uh, this evening watching the intrepid Seawolves in the uh, Eastern League playoffs. Uh, currently they are ahead right now with Ty Madden on the mound pitching a nice game. Uh, so hopefully we'll have some word from Raj on the Seawolves. Uh, you can check him out at Tigers minor league report. I'm sure he'll have uh, plenty to talk about on uh, what he has seen uh, in the playoffs down at Erie and obviously check him out on Twitter. I know he's been sending out some things of the people he's been talking to on site. Yep, Raj definitely down there representing. Uh, Ty, like you said, Ty Madden, six innings pitched tonight. I don't know if he's done yet, but last time I checked, the Seawolves were up 4-1. to one. They won last night 5 nothing, and, and pretty exciting to see what they got down there as well with that young pitching. Like we said, Ty Madden, Jackson Job, uh, making his appearance in Erie as well. And, and, yeah, like we got deep to center in the chat. We've got Deadly Ninja Beats, Harrison, Tyler. Thank you, everyone, CC Gaming. Uh, Deadly Ninja Beast says I sound like a lawyer from the 80s. I don't know what that means, if that's a good thing. Uh, I, I got to ask you something, Youpert. Yes. This is, I was thinking about this. Have, have you ever seen Family Guy? No, I don't do cartoons. Oh. So there's an episode of Family Guy where the main character, Peter, was sick. Okay. And he, he had this sick voice, right? Yes. And his wife was, like, really attracted to him because he had this sick voice. Like, he yes. made him sound... A lot more attractive. Are you getting those vibes from me? Like the, the sick voice is like. So you're hoping you're getting to the deep and sexy part of your voice, right? You're yeah, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we have a pretty male-dominated uh, yeah. uh, clientele here listening to our show. So I don't know if you're going to get the feedback you're looking for. We need to uh, probably uh, find some. I should, I should find my daughter. She's somewhere in the house here. Maybe she can come and listen and give her opinion. Although the one time that she has seen you on air, you were wearing a tank top, and she asked, "Can't he afford sleeves?" So, wow! <laughs> wow! I'm kidding. Hey, hey, blood, kidding. Ray, blood Ray in the chat approves of it. 
I don't know. It's just something. Oh, no, you're sounding I... fine, John. Actually, and you do sound a little deeper. There's no question about that. There we go. That's, so that's yeah, what I was. Just... When when you start doing your voiceover work, uh, uh, for radio and television and so on, we'll have to make sure you're always sick. Oh, get you a cold all the time. Okay, right. so I think the biggest we, you know, let's talk about real quick. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, Tigers visited um, Dodger Stadium. Uh, first night, you know, eight to three, Tigers, Jake Rogers hit a three-run jack, sort of kind of got him back in within hailing distance, and the Dodgers added a couple runs. Really wasn't a whole lot to the game. Uh, wasn't a well-pitched game. Offense didn't do anything outside of the three-run smack. Uh, game two, the Tigers had a late lead. Uh, Mr. Alex Lang could not hang on to the lead late in the game. Not his fault. I mean, the Dodgers are a really good team. Uh, he, you know, uh, walked a couple guys. I think he hit a batter. Uh, but, you know, they almost threw a guy out at the plate to keep the game a tie. Uh, just didn't go the Tigers' way against a good team. And then last night, really an entertaining uh, wrap-up to the series. Tigers played an excellent ball game. Uh, were able to hold off the Dodgers and come away with a win uh, from Dodger Stadium. And anytime, you know, a team is kind of mediocre as the Tigers can grab a win at uh, Chavez Ravine, not a bad way to wrap things up. Yeah, especially coming off the sweep uh, against the Angels, being able to get at least one out of this Dodgers series. I thought they were fairly competitive in this series. I do want to touch on the Dodgers a little bit. I do want to just talk, talk touch on Major League Baseball as a whole as the season winds down. I think these pennant races are really, really fun. Uh, and with the Dodgers, with them chasing a World Series. But what really came to mind for me, and, and maybe this is a bit off topic and off track, but just looking at how the Dodgers were able to build themselves up to the juggernaut that they've been. Now, we know they have a, a ton of resources. They've made some big free agent signings like a Freddie Freeman. But I think a lot of the Dodgers' core has been drafted and developed. You look at guys like Clayton Kershaw, Walker Buehler. You saw a guy in Bobby Miller who has a lot of potential for them as a young starter. Uh, you have guys like Max Muncy, Will Smith, James Ottman. A lot of these guys they've been able to draft and develop. Uh, what really stood out for me for the Dodgers was you have a guy like Mookie Betts who the Dodgers drafted and developed so well. They drafted and developed guys like Alex Verdugo, like Jeter Downs that they were able to trade for Mookie Betts. It really gets you wondering if a player, I don't think anyone as talented as Mookie Betts is going to be available this offseason for the Tigers or next offseason. But if a player of that caliber who's just entering the prime of his career becomes available on the trade market, with the Tigers having all this free agent cap space, uh, would would a trade like that be possible? Because that's really what got the Dodgers over the hump. Yes, they made it to the World Series, but they won the 2020 World Series with Mookie Betts, and he's kind of been the face of that team. So that really got me thinking, if a star player becomes available, could the Detroit Tigers go that similar route uh, once they've drafted and developed all these players and then trading for a star to put around them. But like you said, the Dodgers, they're in the hunt for the World Series. They're going to push 100 wins this year. And J.D. Martinez is a guy who had a couple home runs, I believe, against the Tigers in this series. Um, I don't know. You, he looked yeah, really good. The Tigers could have they could have brought him back this offseason if they really wanted to. I believe he was on a one-year – he's on a one-year $10 million contract. Uh, and here in J.D. Martinez, here it is the same entrance music, uh, walk-up music that he had uh, every day on Hustlin'. I, I heard that instantly, and it brought back memories uh, of J.D. Martinez on the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the Dodgers, when you look at the lineup, uh, especially the first five or six guys, 
you know, they think that the Tigers, it really kind of illustrates how far the Tigers are away from having a truly top rate lineup. Okay. Because there's really no one the Tigers would put in their top five. Okay. I mean, Spencer Torkelson is, is looking great, but you wouldn't sit Freddie Freeman for him, <laughs> you know, um, uh, Mookie Betts and Muncie, uh, Freddie Freeman, I, and Will Smith. The Tigers don't have that depth of, of, of offensive talent. And that's shown night in and night out this year. The Tigers rely on one guy, a lesser known guy, maybe having a big night, but they're really just there. If their three guys don't push across three or four runs, uh, not a whole lot happens. So I think it's it's been a really nice eye-opening series for us to to see what the Tigers need to do uh, to move forward, to build a, a lineup that could take them into the playoffs and hopefully deep into the playoffs. Uh, what you talk about using the minor league depth that you hope that they are accruing right now to go out and make a trade uh, for a premium player, certainly that should always be on the table. Uh, if a team like, you know, who knows – the Red Sox were in an interesting spot when they when they traded Mookie Betts. I mean, they were well above the luxury tax. Uh, they, the rumors are they were under orders to keep costs contained and get underneath the luxury tax uh, threshold. So they ended up moving Mookie Betts in a pretty deeply unpopular move in their market and one that's been pretty much derided continually and probably in the end cost kind of bloom as gig. Uh, in in the in Boston, even though it probably wasn't his fault, I think it was kind of a mandated move in some respects. Um, yeah, the Tigers have, when you look at their farm system, I mean, they have a lot of guys who are probably in the end it should be either first baseman or second baseman, right? And there's only, and last I checked, you're only allowed to play one of them at, at a time, at first and second base. So some of those guys will be marketable, and hopefully they can uh, put together some kind of package to bring in a premium bat. At some point, it may not be this offseason. We'll just have to see how that rolls. Um, but it was good to see, uh, you know, I um, so many of the Tigers' young hitters have come on through the second half of the year in the minor league system. Uh, if Colt Keith and perhaps Jace Young uh, can become premium to semi-premium players in, in Major League Baseball, and you add that to Riley Green and what we think Spencer Torkelson is starting to evolve into with, with uh, Carpenter as well, now you're starting to have some depth to a lineup, right? Now they just need to bring in maybe one or two more premium players from outside the organization via trade or free agency. And that is starting to become more doable. Uh, before we were thinking, man, they need four or five bats. And good luck going out and finding four or five bats at one, in one offseason. You know, that's not going to happen. Now we're tying it down, I think, to one or two, possibly. Um, much, much better odds of, of um, finding some success that way. Yeah, and just looking at the small wins for the Detroit Tigers, we like to look at the big picture, but you take those small ones, like a guy like Tyler Nevin, who's hitting 314 in his last 15 games, hitting 391 in his last seven games. That's good to see for him. He's, he's a 26-year-old. I'm not saying Tyler Nevin is going to be part of the Detroit Tigers' future, but to, just to see him finally get going because he always seemed like that 4A player who had success down in AAA and then would get called up, uh, wouldn't be able to get going, and then had his feet swept out from under him and sent back down. So to see him get some consistent at-bats and seeing him be able to produce is good. And then you, I feel like this was another topic I had. Jake Rogers, 
hit, has had has hit 20 home runs for the Detroit Tigers this year. That's mm-hmm. something that should not be overlooked. Uh, Jake Rogers has been fantastic. He's been the Detroit Tigers' fourth best hitter behind you know Green Torkelson and Kerry Carpenter. Uh, my question for you is at 28 years old, should we be banking on Jake Rogers to be the Detroit Tigers catcher for, let's say, the next three to five years? Can he be that consistent power threat that we can rely on behind the plate? Hmm. That's a lot there. Um, I think he's the catcher next year. Definitely. I think he's had a, a really nice season. I, I, I really like his work behind the plate. He's got a good arm. He can, you know, he, if he happens to run into one or two more, he's a 20 to 25 home run guy. Uh, that's always going to play behind the plate. Uh, I would be, it'd be nice if he started to take a few more walks and became a little more selective. I always worry about projecting guys out three to five years who aren't premium athletes. Okay. You know, let's face it. He's a, he's kind of a stocky little dude. Uh, not a great runner. You always wonder how those guys are going to age as they get into their thirties. And, you know, is he the kind of guy, if he loses even a smidge of bat speed, does he suddenly become Eric Haas overnight? And I'm not saying that's going to happen next year or the year after, but three years from now, very possible once he's in his, uh, you know, beginning of his thirties. So I think definitely they should be looking to upgrade at every position possible. Uh, if they can find someone better that they can afford, then Jake Rogers, then fine. But I think right now, I, I think a team that is competing could get by with Jake Rogers and benefit from having Jake Rogers because he's a good defensive catcher with some power. And that's, there's never anything wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, in terms of 20 home runs for a Detroit Tigers catcher, that hasn't happened. I believe he's the first Detroit Tigers. I'm, I'm fairly certain he is the first Detroit Tigers catcher to hit 20 home runs in a season this century. I don't think it's happened since the the ninety early nineties, late eighties, if I'm not mistaken. That could be right. I think Pudge only had nineteen. I think yeah. Avila hit nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh Haas yeah. had twenty two, but I think only twelve were as a catcher in twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got split hairs. That you was know, a debate. Haas, yeah. Haas had his big year and that was cool. Uh, but even if even if you want to count Haas, I mean if he's if Rogers is the second guy they've had this century, that's still pretty good. You know, and otherwise you got to go back to Mickey Tettleton hitting 30 homers. And uh, Lance Parrish obviously probably had about at least six years, maybe seven with 20 homers. So, you know, the other thing is um, Carson Kelly. I know a lot of people kind of poo-pooed that move. I think he's playing pretty well for the Tigers. He's gotten a few hits. He's, you know, he's probably not going to be that guy who hit 19 home runs in, in Arizona. Maybe, but maybe he will be again. But I really like the defense. I think he plays well. I think I've been really impressed. He's made some plays where he has popped up from behind the plate, made some really decisive, authoritative plays to get a ball before it went foul, and um, made a great play last night in that Dodgers game when he got Jason Hayward uh, in a big spot with runners on first and third. Uh, I think uh, Carson Kelly is a decent catcher. Now he's going to be arbitration eligible. Uh, he probably end up making more than Jake Rogers next year. I don't know if they want to do that with their with their uh, salary structure, but that's you know that's a discussion for another day. But I think as a player, if he's your second catcher, that's a pretty good second catcher. Um, and of course, they have Dylan Dingler coming through the system too. Uh, but you know, you just mentioned a while ago, trades are going to happen as well. So um, is Dylan Dingler someone who's marketable uh, for that premium player you're talking about as part of a package? Who knows? So I think from a catching standpoint, though, with 
Um, Rogers, potentially Kelly, Dingler circulating through the system. Not, not the worst of the positions uh, in the Tigers organization. Yes, but I mean, if your catcher's your fourth best hitter, I don't know if that's a positive thing. Or, but I think Jake Rogers definitely been a huge positive. Like you said, Carson Kelly, twenty nine years old. We don't know his future with the Detroit Tigers. He's hitting one seventy nine as a Tiger. Uh, you can be very encouraged by his defense. Uh, Dylan Dingler's a guy who's been in the minors for a couple years now. I don't know if he's necessarily a major league ready bat. So it'll be interesting to see there uh, with the Detroit Tigers um, it's, catching it's, situation. It's still a defensive dominated position, right? Mm -hmm. You still need a guy with a good arm. You still need someone who's going to block things behind the plate, who can work with the pitchers, uh, you know, have that cerebral work with the pitchers, uh, you know, and then if they can add anything behind the plate, at the plate, excuse me, batting, that's great. So Rogers, his calling card is going to be knocking a few homers. Carson Kelly draws some walks in his career, has hit a few homers as well, but he, he does draw walks. Uh, those are valuable. They don't need to hit 280, right? Um, if anybody, if the Tigers need anybody who could hit 280 right now, but <laughs> the catchers don't have to hit 280. Uh, they don't even have to hit 250. If they can, you know, hit their weight, add a, add a few home runs, but really dominate behind the plate and do a good job, and that's that's really what you ask for. Yeah, and, and we will get to the Tigers GM in a little bit in the show. We've got a lot to go up, uh, go over on this show. And another topic we had, uh, which kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the catcher, I think is the bullpen. Because you brought up a topic. You wanted to talk about Will Vest in specific, which was a little surprising to me. Now, Will Vest, I remember, uh, spring training, looked awful, didn't make the team out of spring training. Uh, I think he struggled in Toledo as well, but has gotten called up and has been really good for the Tigers. And we've had this debate all season, especially he heading up to the trade deadline, about if the Tigers should trade these relievers, if they should trade Alex Lange, if they should trade Jason Pulley. But now I feel like things have kind of turned a little bit. We're talking about the Tigers contending in 2024. We're talking about them wanting to add in free agency and potentially mm -hmm. being able to win the division. So with that being said, these relievers that we talked about being traded, like Alex Lange and Jason Foley, a guy like Will Vest, Tyler Holden, do you think these – these players will be on the Detroit Tigers team in 2024 and just how confident would you be in that bullpen uh, in 2024 for the Detroit Tigers? Well, starting with best, you know, I saw him when he came back from injury this last time, you know, uh, about six weeks ago, whatever it was, he was here in Des Moines uh, with the mud hens and he got crushed. <laughs> he looked bad. Uh, and then, all, then all of a sudden they, they called him up. It's like, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. And then he didn't look that great in his first outing or two with the Tigers. But since then, he has really changed. I mean, he's, his fastball is up around 96, 97. Uh, he's getting some good swing and miss and some ground balls. Uh, he is playing his way here at the end uh, into another shot next year. So I just wanted to kind of acknowledge that he's been, he's been pretty useful uh, for the last couple of weeks uh, when they needed him. Because, uh, you know, Cisneros obviously kind of gone in the tank. and. Um, they, they, they needed a guy to get through the season here, and Will Vest has been that guy. In terms of the rest of the bullpen, I mean, I think we're starting to see more people coming to the realization that Alex Lang is probably more of a mid-inning reliever in a perfect world. Um, he just doesn't throw enough strikes uh, to be trusted with late leads night in and night out. 
Okay, now he he gets the job done some nights uh, when he finds teams that want to chase uh, his breaking stuff out of the zone. Uh, he's very successful. Uh, but I always worry about guys who don't seem like they're that confident throwing their fastball for strikes and getting outs. Uh, and I just don't ever get that sense from him. We've had so many outings that we've seen where he, he'll throw 22 pitches and maybe six or seven of them were in the strike zone. Uh, even when, even on some of the nights when he, when he got out, when he got out of the inning, um, I just think they need to find a steadier presence. Is that steadier presence Jason Foley? Potentially. I mean, I think Jason Foley is a nice pitcher, but again, if, if someone is out there and they, they want Jason Foley and the Tigers could get a prospect along the lines of Jason, of Justin Henry Malloy on that level or higher Boy, I think I still make that move. The Tigers need hitters. I mean, we cannot be fooled by playing a little bit better baseball down the stretch here. Even if they go, you know, these next 10 games, these final 10 games for the Tigers, we were talking about this, John. They're winnable games. They might go 8-2. and two. It's very possible. Don't be snowed by it, you know. This is still a team that needs to make some major changes offensively uh, and get better. So uh, if, if they can find more options, uh, more bats, for some of these relief pitchers, I would do that in a heartbeat and then bet on my coaching staff to build another bullpen like they've built this one out of somewhat spare parts like the Ty Holtons of the world. Yeah, I think that's definitely the way to go because I, you just really have to believe in this bullpen depth too with all those guys I mentioned. Even a guy like Miguel Diaz who's just been recently called up. I think he's looked really well, uh, really good as well for the Detroit Tigers. So just a lot of depth right there. And like you said, they've been able to find these guys. None of these guys were necessarily highly touted prospects like Jason Foley. Uh, I, I believe Jason Foley was once upon a time a, a, a starting pitcher prospect for the Detroit Tigers. Well, he, that, he was he was undrafted. Yeah, that they were able to turn into <laughs> uh, their best reliever, for being honest. So, yeah, I think that's definitely the way to go. And like you said, over these final 10 games, the Detroit Tigers technically can still finish at 500. They're 71 and 81. And just they have had a five-win improvement already with 10 games to go from last season. So that 10-game improvement, I think, is very realistic, 76 and 86. Um, mm-hmm. I think that would be a very positive development for the Detroit Tigers. But, yeah, I think the bullpen is going to be interesting because that was really a big talking point throughout the season. But like you said, uh, you can have a great bullpen. You can have the best bullpen in Major League Baseball. But if your offense is at the bottom of the league where the Detroit Tigers offense has been over these last couple of years, even if you're starting pitching, uh, you don't have the depth there. You don't have the true horses in your starting rotation. A good bullpen is not going to take you very far. Uh, so yeah. that's going to be another storyline to follow. And I feel like we haven't really talked about this. We've been so focused on the offense. We've been so f- focused on the starting pitching and it finally getting healthy. We've kind of forgotten about the bullpen as the unsung hero for the Detroit Tigers. But that's another thing, too, is I feel like this bullpen has been taxed very heavily in 2023. I feel like guys like Jason Foley, Tyler Holton, They've been used a lot, and you wonder yeah. how much is that going to take a toll on them in the years to come because we know how volatile relievers are. And if oh, yeah. the Tigers are, are using these guys so much, is it only a matter of a time before they get injured and they start to break down? So maybe trading them this offseason, trading them sooner rather than later, could benefit the Tigers. Um, we all know relie- relievers definitely tend to run hot and flame out. I mean, that's just a, the long story around the league. You can find multiple examples. 
Um, so if that were to happen to any of these Tiger relievers, yeah, they wouldn't be any kind of a shock, right? Their, their shelf life tends to be short. Uh, you got to use them while you got them and then move on to the next guy. Um, you know what the good news is? You know, they, they, they kind of made the – it's become fairly obvious, you know, Alex Fajardo is probably going to be a bullpen uh, person next year. I think there is some definite potential there. Um, with all the, you know, the Ty Mans of the world and the Wilmer Floreses, um, I think they're going to be ready for major league action next year. Will there be space in the rotation depending on who they bring in? If Erod comes back, uh, if Mize is ready to pitch, those type of things, you know, they can probably use some of those pitchers out of the bullpen. Uh, as well. So I think there will be talent to draw from if they are able to move um, uh, fully and maybe even Holton if there's a market for him. I don't think there'll be much of a market for Alex Lang. I think he's kind of in that middle space. I think he's he's too talented to give up on. You might as well bring him back. But I think he's a little too shaky for the ninth inning until he proves it. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, that's going over the Tigers bullpen. Just kind of checking off the list of things we wanted to talk about. Let Let's talk about the GM. You've been 20, 25 minutes into this show. We haven't even hit on it yet. So yeah. from what I've and I haven't gone like a huge deep dive in, into Jeff Greenberg or who he is. But what I do know, he was with the Chicago Blackhawks um, as an associate general manager. Uh, he was with them for about a year and a half. Uh, was baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs. Now I, I pulled up his LinkedIn page. Um, so that's what I'm going off of here. Uh, baseball operations uh, for the Chicago Cubs from 2012 to May of 2022. That's how he knows Scott Harris. They work together uh, with the Chicago Cubs. Now, for just looking at that, you look at the Chicago Cubs from 2012 to 2022. Mm-hmm. They won the World Series in 2016, made the playoffs in 2015. They had a good run. They made they won multiple division titles. Uh, we're never able to get back to the to the World Series or win another World Series like a lot of people thought they should. But you think about uh, Jeff Greenberg, he had to be involved with the drafting of Javier Baez, had to be involved in the drafting of Chris Bryant, uh, the trade of Anthony Rizzo, the trade of Jake Arrieta, the free agent signings like Jason Hayward and John Lester and John Lackey. Uh, he was an integral part, or at least you think he was an integral part for that 2016 World Series team and building the Chicago Cubs from, let's face it, in the early 2010s, um, they were one of the worst franchises in Major League Baseball, and that front office was able to build them back up uh, to win the World Series in 2016. Yeah, I think that's a, a good outline of his career. And, you know, what I what strikes me is he was there for the complete teardown of the Cubs when they tore it apart and went down to be a 63-62 win team, whatever they were for a couple of years. And he was there through the resurgence, right, to the World Series and the aftermath of trying to keep a winner together. Um, now, again, Theo Ep- that was Theo Epstein's team. He had Jed Hoyer and Jason McLeod as his top lieutenants. You never heard the name Jeff Greenberg, okay? And, but that's fine. He was there. They kept him around. Those are three smart guys at the top of the food chain in, in Chicago. And they kept Greenberg around. Uh, I'm sure they didn't do that out of charity. He probably earned it, right? He probably learned a lot, saw a lot. Um, so none of us, there's not one person online or in print commenting on this move who truly knows Jeff Greenberg, okay? None of them. 
Anybody who says they do, stop it. You don't. You can look at his resume. It's a perfectly acceptable resume for the job he's about to accept from the Detroit Tigers. Uh, you have to trust that Scott Harris worked with him, knows his work, knows his work ethic, knows his uh, uh, how he wants to approach things, knows what Greenberg has experienced in Chicago on his way up in, 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 you know, in Major League Baseball. So at the end of the day, hopefully his scouting background is, is, a, is a boon uh, to the Tigers. But also at the end of the day, this is still Scott Harris's team. He's going to be the figurehead, right? He's, he's the guy who's at the top. Uh, you know, Theo Epstein was not technically the GM in Chicago, but, you know, nobody really called it Jed Hoyer's team or, or Jason McLeod's team. That was Theo Epstein's team. So this is going to be Scott Harris's team. He's bringing in Greenberg as a, a very high lieutenant, someone he must trust. Um, so it's it's a good move. People don't, you know, it's a gutsy move in one respect. There's always going to be those naysayers out there. Well, he hired a hockey guy. They're not going to care about what the rest of his resume is, right? Um, so he, he has opened himself up to that BS. Um, it shouldn't be something he worries about. He probably doesn't. But, you know, we'll be hearing about that the first time they have an eight-game losing streak next year, uh, you know, with the hockey guy in charge, you know, whatever people want to say. Yeah, I mean, like you said, just having trust in Scott Harris that he handpicked Jeff Greenberg to be his GM. It'll be very interesting to see. And thank you, Blood Right, for the $5 donation as well. We really appreciate it. Uh, we don't have our soundboard on here, uh, Raj, our soundboard guy. But, again, thank you, Blood Right. Uh, Blood right. I really appreciate it. But you've heard, that was kind of the main topic of this podcast was the GM. And I want everyone to take away something from this podcast, whether you learn something, whether it sparks an idea. Um, this is the idea I had and the question I want to pose is the Detroit Tigers culture and the Detroit Tigers leadership. Obviously, you had Alavila for all those years. And I look at a team like the Detroit Tigers. Um, I mean, the Detroit Lions, excuse me. And you have their culture with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and Sheila Ford Hamp. And they've really been able to turn that culture around. And a lot of people have belief in the Detroit Lions that things are different now. How do we feel about that in terms of the Detroit Tigers with guys like A.J. Hinch, Scott Harris? Now you have your GM in place. You have Chris Illich at the top, who I know a lot of people have questioned. In terms of the overall culture of the Detroit Tigers and the leadership and the faith you have in that leadership to help lead the Detroit Tigers to where we all want them to go, which is an eventual World Series. I'm always hesitant to, to, to comment on this because I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Um, but all we can do is kind of draw on what we are able to see. First off, when we talk about culture, just from, you know, they've, they've really let Miguel Cabrera do his thing this year and be a special part of the season. They've managed him very well. It looks like he's having fun. It certainly appears the other players are drawn to that and enjoying it. That has to be uh, an added boost to whatever the culture may be. Um, also, other than the Spencer Turnbull fiasco, which has been brewing well before you know Scott Harris was around, probably, and from things we can gather, the Tigers don't seem to have any real major problems. There haven't been any uh, police reports or things like that leaking out. So I think they have, you know, they've taken care to get a a fairly good bunch of guys in there. Uh, We've heard things from Spencer Torkelson and a few other players 
about how much this group really roots for and enjoys each other. That's always a good thing. It's a better thing when you're winning to have happy guys. I'd rather have happy guys who are winning versus happy guys who are losing. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, I think the bigger question to me is how long do they want A.J. Hinch? How long does he want to stay? Um, is he going to look for somewhere where he can go win immediately? Or is he in for the long haul until he sees this through? Same question for Chris Fetter. I mean, I know everybody loves Chris Fetter. And I, he has done good work. There's, I don't think there's any way to say any, anything else. Uh, but he's been a college guy in the past. And I just, in the back of my mind, I always wonder when some big program is going to come calling for him uh, to go be because a, a lot of pitching coaches become head coaches in college. That happens, you know. Uh, I always wonder when that's going to happen. And I think then once those guys go, then you're building a new culture because you got new guys at the top, you know, in uh, top of the clubhouse. Yeah, I think because remember, Ron Gardenhire was here. And I think we all kind of knew he wasn't the guy that was going to lead the Detroit Tigers to the next caretaker. Yeah, next playoff appearance. He was kind of just there to guide these young players. And then you bring in a guy like A.J. Hinch. I think I'm on the boat of I want A.J. Hinch, or I think A.J. Hinch will be on this team, will be managing this team when the Detroit Tigers are back in the playoffs, which could be as early as next year. I mm-hmm. think he's the right guy to lead this team. I think he's been through a lot of adversity. Obviously, going through last year, how tough that would have been with all the criticism this team took and just how bad it got last year. I mean, it was rough. I don't think you guys – I mean, some people remember where they were at a year ago, but it was just very, very hard, and then you fire your general manager – it felt like the world was kind of crumbling down a little bit for the Utah Tigers, and A.J. Hinch was there day in and day out. And I think he's done a really good job with this team. Even in his first year in 2021, uh, that team exceeded a lot of expectations under under A.J. Hinch as well. But, yeah, I think Scott Harris – I see a comment from old BK about when I, I made the comparison between Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, uh, their transparency with Lions fans. I think that could be a gripe you could have with this Detroit Tigers front office. They don't really seem like they're too connected with the fans. They kind of seem like they're off to the side. Um, You want to have that connection with the fans in the front office. You want to be able to believe in these guys. Like Brad Helms, he's a character. Like Lions fans are able to believe in him and get behind him. I feel like with Scott Harris, he's kind of – it doesn't feel like he's the smartest guy in the room, but we really don't see him talking to media. He really hasn't built that connection with the fans that you want. Like a guy like Dave Dombrowski, I mean – Fans love Dave Dombrowski. I mean, there's not even Tigers fans, just Detroit sports fans who had so much respect for him because of the passion that he had, um, you know, making those big trades and making those big free agent signs. Now, a lot of that did go through Mike Illich, obviously, but just having that connection between the front office and the fans, I think is very important. And I think it's something I'd like to see the Detroit Tigers front office be able to develop to where we can invest in these guys, invest in our manager, invest in our our GM and our and Scott Harris. And that's the one gripe you could potentially have. But at the end of the day, if they're putting a winning product on the field, how much of that is really going to matter? Yeah. If they win, then he's just, he's just, he's just the uh, buttoned up genius, right? Uh, He's, he's the business like guy who keeps to himself, but builds a winner. Um, (laughs) If, if they lose, then he's, he's the arrogant, aloof jackass who they need to run out of town. I mean, that's just that's the nature of the job. It's a it's a results oriented thing. Uh, we'll know more in a couple of years. 
Uh, it's too early to say one way or another how that's going to work out. Um, now, I did our friend of our show, David Lorela, fellow Uper, uh, writer for Fangraphs, uh, great guy. Uh, he just mused one day earlier this week that AJ Hinch would probably make a pretty good candidate to be the GM in Boston uh, with that opening up. You know, Hinch has been a GM before. He's a respected guy. Uh, you know, that could be just David thinking out loud. I don't know if he has any whispers. In, he lives in Boston. I don't know if he's gotten any real whispers of that. You have to ask David. But uh, I'm just saying, you know, Hinch is a respected guy. Fetter's a respected guy. It would be not a great shock if somebody somewhere wanted to talk to either of them for a gig. I mean, that's just how things go. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, and that's basically what I got for Jeff Greenberg as the Tigers' new GM. We're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, we can't – I'm not going to sit here and predict what he's going to be doing or what he's going to be addressing. I mean, we all know what the Tigers need to address. We, we're watching the games. Uh, we analyze this team very heavily. We know what the Detroit Tigers need to do to improve to win in 2024. Um, we hope Jeff Greenberg is that guy. The only other thing I can add is he's young, and I think that matters. I You don't – I mean, no offense to old people, but you want these young guys who, oh, I, I shouldn't have said that. Wow, John. Oh, I'm sorry. But you want these young guys who are, are familiar with this technology and, and these analytics that everybody uses uh, to, to you know, analyze these players. That's where the, the league is going. Um, if we're being a knife honest. in the heart for me, John. Knife in the heart. It, it wasn't at you, you for, I'm just uh, old, just old, put out the past year. By the new young guns, the people working their way up. I know. Tell me about it. I'm sorry. That's all right. I'm just kidding you. Okay. Um, hey, let's talk about real quick Riley Green. Okay. Because you're right. You we're, getting, we're getting deep into the show, and we've we've had a lot of topics. We have. I mean, there's a lot of cool things going on this week. Well, not cool, but, I mean, stuff to talk about. Riley Green, uh, the man of mystery there for many, many days. We didn't know what was going on uh, with his elbow. Uh, they finally went into an exploratory, well, at least it sounded exploratory the day before because they weren't telling us what it was. They went in and ended up doing a Tommy John surgery, replacing the UCL on his non-throwing elbow, which is, which is a big part of what this is going to end up being. Um, personally, I think it's great that they got it wrapped up here in September. Uh, last year, Bryce Harper, uh, also ended up needing Tommy John surgery. He played through the, you know, the playoffs and through the fall ended up getting his Tommy John surgery. Uh, I believe it was the last day of November of last year. And he ended up breaking a record. He was back on the field in 160 days, which is the fastest any position players ever recovered and returned from Tommy John surgery. Uh, so he made it back in May, but for the first two months, he hit five home runs uh, for the Phillies. He still was getting on base, but he had no power. Okay, the power didn't wasn't there. It has come back now in August and September. He's hitting great, but you know, for for at least two months there, he did very little uh, power wise. So, Riley Green, this surgery now is about nine weeks prior to when uh, Harper had his. And I don't think anybody, I, don't, I think it's very unfair to expect Riley Green to match the aggressive pace 
uh, Bryce Harper set and getting back, you know, 160 days. I think it's more along the lines. People average around 180 to 190 days to get back. That still gets Riley Green back toward the end of spring training, early part of the season. And I would still expect there's probably going to be a little bit of time where his power is waning a little bit until he gets a lot of strength back in his arm. Yeah, I mean, Riley Green wasn't necessarily a big power guy to begin with this season. And to, and to me, it's just crazy that these position players are getting Tommy John surgery. That was just like 10 years ago. I feel like that just wasn't a thing. And, and it's just and the stress that it has on your arm. And you think about just how, how many how many throws these guys are making, how often they're they're on the field throwing. Like you just wonder, like, how does that even happen for a position player to get Tommy John? That just kind of well, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Especially for Riley Green, it was non-throwing arm, right? So really? Um, it had to be when he landed, you know, obviously we'll probably hear more and, and, you know, I'm, I'm no, I, this is all just talking for the sake of talking, but you have to believe when he landed on the field in Chicago, he must've put enough torque on his arm from bouncing off the turf that it just snapped that ligament, right. Or, or whatever it did. Um, you know, I think a lot of position players who get Tommy John surgery when it's their throwing arm. People kind of forget a lot of guys probably grew up as pitchers. I mean, there's probably a lot of, uh, you know, wear and tear on those ligaments as they were coming up through high school, college, and so on. Uh, and then eventually at some point they became hitters uh, and they didn't, they snapped their ACL or their UCL uh, just doing normal throwing that position players do. Um, but they were probably pitching quite a bit prior to that. Some of them, not all. Uh, so, um, for Riley Green's sake, though, it sounds like that they can get him back for opening day. I think that his power, I think it is though important that, you know, he develops into a power source for them. Uh, he hit 11 home runs this year. Uh, he was starting to get some extra base power. If that's waning a little at the beginning, that's okay. As long as he can kind of grow back into it, but they still need that guy, that extra base power to, to develop there. People are a little worried about his injury-prone nature. I don't know if that's really the case. I mean, he had, you know, the the busted foot from the foul ball, or the broken leg, whatever that was. That was off a foul ball, and there's nothing you can do about that. The stress fracture in his leg this year, that's a little interesting what that develops into. Um, but let's face it, if he if he gets himself back in shape, these injuries, if he just goes a couple of years with without anything major, then people kind of forget about what he went through. Uh, I, I think the timing of this works out very well, though, that they potentially have him back for opening day. Yeah, and I guess my two cents would be Riley Green is going to miss some of spring training. You can't expect him to get off to a hot start with him coming back from this injury. My thing is, you look at, again, the Detroit Lions, with all the injuries they've had over this last week, people are still banking on them to win the NFC North. Well, I know you, you're a Packers guy, but that's a conversation for another day. But at the end of the day, if you truly want to be able to contend, you have to have depth. You have to have that depth to where if your star player goes out, if Riley Green's out for a couple months, if Kerry Carpenter's out for a couple months, if Spencer Torkelson's out, you have to have that depth. You have to have those offensive guys that can step up. The Tigers didn't have that this year. We saw that, obviously, with Riley Green missing a lot of time. Kerry Carpenter missed an extended period of time. Uh, The Tigers didn't really have that depth. Now, they've been able to be a respectable team. They've been able to hang around. Uh, but not so much as to be able to make the playoffs. 
you hope next year they're going to have more of that depth. You're going to hope that guys like Akil Badu, Parker Meadows, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Austin Meadows, any free agents you bring in, any trade chips that you bring in, you need to have that depth. So that's my two cents is, yeah, Riley Green is going to be injured, but guess what? You're always going to have injuries. Spencer Torkelson may miss uh, an extended period of time next year. Kerry Carpenter could miss an extended period of time next year. Uh, you'll have these starting pitchers and these relievers that will go down with injury. You have to have that sustainable depth, uh, which I think the Detroit Tigers are definitely building, but will it be enough for them to truly compete for a division title in 2024? It all comes down to the top of the roster, right? Uh, You know, I I talk a lot about getting 2% better at the bottom of the roster. Every time you make a move, try to find a guy who's just a little bit better than the one you had, and that's a perfectly fine way to build the bottom of your roster. But I think we're at the point now where the Tigers could very easily field spots like 12 through 26 on the everyday roster. They can fill that with perfectly acceptable guys. Um, it's right now those top 12 guys on your roster. That's where they're short. Okay. I mean, they have Torkelson and green and Carpenter. There's three. Um, Scubal four. Then, you know, then you're kind of a wish sandwich on a lot of guys. I mean, we can say Reese Olsen has looked good, but it's 100 innings. And he's still got a four-plus ERA, <laughs> you know. Uh, we could talk about some other guys. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, let's say he opts in. Okay, is he one of your 10 best players? Maybe, but he's also missed a lot of time in the last two years. Is that someone you're banking on? So I think what it comes down to this offseason is they need to find that premium talent whether it's from Japan, which is supposedly one of the best years of Japanese and Korean talent coming to the United States. If there's a year for the Tigers to dust off the checkbook and get into that market for the first time, really, this might be it because supposedly there are some really good players. Um, But they need to add premium talent at the top of the roster. That's where they're deficient. The Dodgers series, as we mentioned, is a very good illustration uh, where the Dodgers can go, you know, you can just name after name after name after name. Um, the Tigers cannot. They can't match that that firepower at the top of the roster. The bottom of the roster, no problem. I think there's fine. 12 through 26, we can roll with several guys. Andy Abanez, if he's your 26th man, great. But they need a better fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh guy. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because that made me think of like you think of the Detroit Tigers in like 2014, 2016. That team was very top heavy. They had those big name guys, really didn't have any depth beyond that. I mean, they were leaning on guys like Andrew Romine and just relievers and starting pitchers you never heard of. But they had that elite talent like you're talking about. And that's definitely what the Detroit Tigers are missing. I think we have faith that Scott Harris can find that depth, can find guys like Andy Abanya, Zach McKintry, who can be somewhat respectable. Yeah, Tyler, but you need those guys that can carry an offense. You need those guys that you can rely on hit 25, 30 home runs a year. You need all-star level players. Um, You know, this isn't the NBA where you need a top 10 player to win a championship. You just need a collective uh, number of guys who are all, I wouldn't say elite, but very, very good that can contribute for your team day in and day out. Um, And Colt Colt Keith might be that guy. I think there's a good chance of it. I, I really, I love, I just watching all the tape of him. It's, it's, it's impressive. So there's one. 
Jace Young has really come on much faster than a lot of people think, thought they thought he would. Um, they might be able to count on him. So there's two. Okay, now you're at now again. We're we're lengthening that lineup. If they can find, I don't even want to put a name to it, but if they can find someone who just um, produces that, like let's say a, a George Springer in his prime, okay, that type of player who's not a top 10 player in the league, but might be a top 20 player in the league. You know, that kind of guy uh, added into the Tigers lineup. That would be a godsend for what this offense lacks, uh, you know, and, and get them out of scoring three and a half runs a game uh, up to scoring four and a half runs a game, which would at least be competitive. Yeah. And we, me and you were promised we weren't going to get into free agency talk. Cause I feel like we always go down that road. So that's a conversation for another game. Yes. Another day as I'm looking in the chat. Only other thing I want to address, because I've seen it come up in the chat multiple times, people are talking about Javi Baez. Listen, Javi Baez is not going anywhere. I, I just want to I want to end this right now. Javi Baez will be on this team next year, okay? The Detroit Tigers are not trading Javier Baez. He doesn't have much value, if any value, as a player. There's not. I don't think there's any teams that want to take on Javier Baez's contract. So I think we should all just leave that alone. He's going to be the starting shortstop this year. He can still contribute to this team defensively, and maybe there's a little le- magic left in this bat. Maybe there's not. But I think Javi Baez is not holding this Detroit Tigers team back uh, from being a playoff team. So I think that conversation, I, I think it's just a dead beating a dead horse at this point. Well, it all depends, of course, on does he have any inclination to make a change in his career at this point in his career. Will he accept some coaching and just watched enough tape to see the obvious that he has to find a way to stop swinging at everything low and away. It kills him. We all know it kills him. He knows it kills him. The announcers, the the opposition knows it kills him. He can't stop. It's probably not going to change. Um, is he going to come back? Obviously, most people think he'd be crazy not to, right? I mean, no one's going to give him that money. The only way he would leave would be if there, if he feels he has enough money and there's somewhere he wants to go and there's someone that will take him and he'll forego the cash. But name me the list of players who have really done that. There ain't one, okay? <laughs> He's going to take the money. He should take the money. The Tigers signed him to that deal. That's the risk they took. Not Javi Baez's fault, okay? So uh, he's going to get the money. He still plays decent defense. Yeah, um, unless they trade him and pay, you know, over half his salary, like they did with Prince Fielder once upon a time, he's back next year. And it's probably not a huge conversation to have. Other than perhaps if you squint real hard at Ryan Kreidler, they don't really have a shortstop to take over for him anyway. Um and that's something they can continue working on. Yeah, I'm just at the point, Uper. I'm just tired of talking about it. Like, he, I, he's just—he's he, not getting traded. He's not holding this team back from going anywhere. Like, they can still win the division in 2024 with Javi Baez as your starting shortstop. Like, I, I just people act like he's like the the worst thing that's happened to the Detroit Tigers in the last 20 years. It's like, hey, it's, you know, it's. it's you're right. I mean, he's still been a positive war player, I think, overall, if you believe in war, right? Um, so every team 
wins and there's probably a couple of weak players on the roster. Okay. Even in your lineup. So it's a sunk cost. He's going to be there. He's not retiring either. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's, it's unless they shock us and make a move or he makes a move, it's probably not worth a whole lot of talk because he will be there. Yeah. But I just saw that in the chat. And I just wanted to address it. All right, you So. Going about an hour, uh, the only other topic I wanted to talk about was just a look around MLB because at the end of the day, we're just we're all baseball fans uh, with the Tigers not being in the pennant race. I think this is a really exciting year, uh, a lot of good races to watch down the stretch. Um, the Minnesota Twins, there's a good chance. I wouldn't say a good chance, but there's a decent chance um, that they can win the division tonight. Uh, the elimination number for the Guardians and the Detroit Tigers is one. Now, the Detroit Tigers are a half game behind the Guardians for second place. Yep. That would be – I mean, that's something. Ellie. If you finish second in the division, I mean, people were talking about the Tigers being the worst team in this division heading into 2023. So for them to finish second, now is it more on the Detroit Tigers exceeding expectations or is it about those other teams kind of crapping the bed in 2023? Uh, that's a conversation you can have. But just the thought of the Detroit Tigers finishing in second place is a little wild to me. I don't know. It would be fun. You know, I, I don't put much more into it than that. It would it would be very fun. Uh, the Tigers, and for what it's worth, they've they've played well enough to earn it, right? And we talked about the their record going into tonight is thirty two and thirty one since the All Star break. And I thought I saw I don't know where I saw it, so I'm kind of guessing on the number. But since June one, there's something like forty three and forty one or something like that. So it, it hasn't been a fluke. They've done this for a long time now, uh, for a couple of months. Uh, where they're playing at least around 500 baseball. Uh, is that some improvement over what we've seen in the past? Sure. Uh, it's it's not enough, though. And I think we see the weaknesses. But just as fans, it, it's fun to sit down for a ball game and know they got a, you know, a decent shot at winning. This isn't the 2019 Tigers who won 47 games, and you were just happy if they were within two runs going into the eighth inning that year and got a puncher's chance at pulling out a win. Okay, this team is better than that, a lot better. And, and at moments, is very fun to watch. And when Spencer Torkelson has really great at-bats like he had last night, even though he didn't get a hit, um, uh, that's really interesting to me to watch that development. Uh, which the bat at-bat I'm talking about, by the way, for those who are watching, man, I really loved it. It's when he came up with the bases loaded. He jumped on the first pitch and he scorched it down the line. He, it, he hit the fence. It was maybe a foot and a half foul. That was a, oh, a rocket. Then a couple pitches later with two strikes, he, you know, he was really defending the plate. Um, smoked one that looked like it was going up the gap. Outman made a diving catch. Ended up being only a um, uh, sack fly. But just the at-bat and you know, the way he drilled those two balls and how he's looking at the plate, totally different hitter than what we saw last year, even what we saw in April of this year. Uh, very confident at the plate. With two strikes, he's not a dead duck anymore. He can he can fight and battle and get through at bats and, and get something productive. So that's you know, if they finish second, I'll be happy. I'm infinitely more happy to see Kerry Carpenter become a ball player and Spencer Torkelson take the steps he's taken. Yeah, and just some in-depth numbers for the Tigers. You could say their run differential is still minus a hundred. Um yeah. which I don't know how much you want to believe in that, but I think it, there's definitely something to take away from that. And then the record at home, 32 and 43, 
Uper, they actually have a winning record on the road. They're 39 and 38 on the road this year. <laughs> that that's 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 interesting. Um but my yeah. thought on that is it's something that'll you can't count on. It's just kind of a it just is what it is. It's kind of a fluky thing. But who knows? I, I just I, I don't know why what else you could attribute it to. Yeah, but to end the podcast, just a look around Major League Baseball. You I just want to get your thoughts on what you're watching for over these last final weeks, what you're going to be paying attention to, what teams do you think are going to be interesting to watch, what races are going to be interesting to watch in the AL. I mean, you've got teams like Toronto, Seattle, and Texas who are all battling for wild card spots. Yep. Um, in, in the NL, you've got the Cubs who are in a little bit of a free fall right now. Uh, you've got the Marlins and the Reds, two young teams pushing for a wild card spot as well. Uh, what are you looking forward to seeing uh, over these last couple of weeks of the Major League Baseball season? I want to watch some of the young teams and what they do. Uh, Baltimore especially. Uh, built around a lot of young, talented guys, who some of whom have been pushed through the system and brought up to the major leagues. Uh, and I'm wondering if Scott Harris will take note of that. Um, he hasn't this year with Colt Keith and Justin Henry Malloy, but next year, is that something that they see as the trend in baseball worth copying? Uh, similar to the Reds, uh, do the Reds sneak into the playoffs? They're a game back of the wild card right now. They have 10 games to go. Uh, again, built with so many young, talented players, one of whom's on the IL and Matt McLean, but um, Ellie De La Cruz, Encarnacion Strands, uh, uh, Spencer Steer, um, and others, um, you know, you can win with young, talented players. Uh, so I want to, I would love to see Baltimore go the distance other than the fact that in the preseason, uh, in the exhibition season, I had Rays versus Braves in the world series. I've been a long time Braves fan. Um, they've hung in there. Uh, uh, the Rays have hung in there, uh, even without, with this whole unfortunate Wander Franco scandal. Uh, and losing Shane McClanahan, uh, but they still have the bullpen. They still have some bats. Um, I, I would love to see um, the Rays and Baltimore get into a playoff series and duke it out. I think that would be a tremendous series. And then I'm also watching the Braves. I, I, I love Ronald Acuna, uh, probably my favorite non-Tiger in baseball, uh, although Corbin Carroll's getting to be someone who's close. Uh, but uh, Ronald Acuna is so fun to watch. I'd love to see him lead that team to the World Series. They won the World Series a couple of years ago when he was injured. Uh, so it'd be kind of cool to see him get his moment leading a club all the way. Yeah, the Braves, I think, have to be the odds-on favorite. I look at a team like the Phillies, just them having Dave Dombrowski. I really love the way they built that team. That offense is really fun to watch. And I think they're really underrated. They flew under the radar last year and were able to make a run to the World Series. And then if you look at the AL, I mean, the Houston Astros with Justin Verlander, I'm always going to root for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Minnesota, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. They're going to have home field advantage in the first round of the wild card series. Uh, that'll be fun to watch as well. But hopefully it'll be a very interesting uh, pennant race, a very interesting uh, playoff year for Major League Baseball. Um, but, yeah, we'll have Tigers baseball over the next couple weeks. Uper, we're closing in on 50 episodes, which is crazy. I think it, it may line up where the 50th episode – could potentially be uh, kind of a recap of the year. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. Which it could line up uh, pretty well. But I want to thank everybody for listening, for joining us here in the YouTube chat. Thank you for all the great comments uh, and, and debates we have in the chat. 
Uh, if you guys would subscribe to Motor City Metrics on YouTube, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter or X, that would be very appreciated as well. But Youper, any other questions, comments, concerns before we head out of here? No, no, I'm just a uh, uh, fun show tonight. Yeah, I want to thank everybody too, especially a couple of folks who donated some cash to us. We really appreciate that. We put it to good use. It's not just going and uh, buying John his uh, dates beer this weekend. So, um, you know, <laughs> otherwise, hey, it's four games with the Oakland A's this week. Let's see what they can do. If they can walk out of there winning three out of four and uh, just end the season on a good note for what that's all worth, it would be a lot of fun. Yep. But for me, Youper, Raj, and Chris, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. And take care, everybody. Good night.